the blast from our past network. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this month's episode of Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura. I am one-third of the TV Obscura team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, are my two brothers from other mothers, Zach the Total Snackhead Schaefer and Diallo the Armageddon Jackson. And this month, guys and gals, aside from our singular episodes, like when we talk about like like the G.I. Joe the movie or something, this is probably going to be our most focused thematic grouping that we've (laughs) ever done um i will be discussing 1993's key west zach will be talking about 1994's high tide and diallo will be talking about 1994's one west waikiki so it's uh trouble in paradise boys that's the theme uh (laughs) this month and i'm so happy to be talking to you guys and uh actually on the heels of uh seeing zach in portland and hopefully uh we'll be seeing diallo at some point this year too so uh miss you both and uh love talking to you guys on tv obscura diallo how are things going my man i know you got big things brewing yeah, I, I can't. I don't even have time to think these days. So it's <laughs> um, a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never been to Portland, by the way. So I've mm. been to the airport, which well, I which what? I do believe airports count. But yeah, I've never <laughs> been been there. You can check it off the 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 map. Um, well, maybe one day you'll make it up here, and we can go uh, meet up at Portland because it is a fun little town. Yeah, that's what I hear. Were you en route to Seattle, Diallo? I don't know. It was like I it, I was. It was when I was flying around the country going to school and stuff. I just remember stopping uh, there. I've been to Ashland, Oregon a few times, but that's further south. That's like on the border, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't even know where that is. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, I know how you're doing because I just saw you like two days ago. <laughs> but how, yeah, how was your recording trip overall? This, we're recording this on the heels of me returning from Portland and on my way to another state couple days later so i'm in travel mode um so i'm hoping i can make it through this episode but um yeah no we, we had a blast in portland i love that city it's uh besides the the constant rain it's, it's to be expected but man there's a lot to do there and a lot to eat yeah yes. so i will be uh you know this is this episode is all about having a beach bod i need to get my beach bod in shape <laughs> yeah you're, you're uh, looking a little by bloated the end there of buddy <laughs> Yeah, what can I say? You know, I gotta, I gotta work off those donuts, those voodoo donuts, and uh, get into my my Key West, Waikiki, and New Zealand body weight. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's a man. Every single uh, episode I watched today on these shows had some hot bods in it, both uh, men and women. So I'm excited to get into it. And up first, I will be discussing Key West, starring Fisher Stevens. A Fox show. And, you know, the funny thing is, as we sort of discuss all these shows over the course of TV Obscura, by the way, happy 30th 
TV Obscure episode. Diallo, happy 29th TV Obscure episode. <laughs> we'll we'll celebrate. Awesome. I'll celebrate next episode. That's, there you go. <laughs> but uh, it made it makes me realize that I was a Fox kid, man, growing up. And I don't mean Fox kids like the cartoons. I mean, I was like watching all the Fox shows. And one of the shows that I loved was Key West. Key West is an American dramedy set and filmed in Key West, Florida. 13 episodes aired on Fox from January to June of 1993. It was created by David Beard, who is the director of My Chauffeur, starring Deborah Foreman and Sam Flash Gordon Jones, baby. Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. Key West features Fisher Stevens as Seamus O'Neill, a factory worker that wins the lottery and moves to Key West to pursue a writing career because he loves Hemingway. Hemingway, of course. Jennifer Tilly is a high-priced call girl. Denise Crosby is the town's conservative conservative mayor. And Brian Thompson is an eccentric sheriff who can talk to dolphins. Also an absolute delight to watch on screen. Uh, one more little tiny factoid before I get into uh, all the nitty-gritty of what I loved about it. Uh, the show was originally supposed to uh, keep... Seamus O'Neill as a millionaire, um, but the I think the exa- um, the studio ch- forced them to change it by the end of the 13 seasons. Uh, he basically becomes poor again because uh, I think the back taxes and unpaid debts, like he basically runs out of his money and then has to, is going to have to like wait multiple years for the next like allotment from the lottery type of thing. Uh, so what? I yeah, it's it's a little odd. Uh, I didn't quite make it that far in this in this viewing because I only watched the pilot. Um, hey, but Corey, hmm. how could yeah. you forget Terrence C. Carson? I, I was going to mention that you right now because the one black guy, <laughs> I wasn't going to, I was going to give him his own <laughs> thing because Ter- Terrence T.C. Carson is the voice of fucking Kratos, the original voice of Kratos. By the way, guys and gals, I beat that first game on God mode. One of Who's these Kratos? three greatest life challenges did of you, my entire did life did you just that say who's kratos yeah who's kratos oh my god mother of god <laughs> god god of war buddy yeah, it's a, 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 a massive playstation uh, video game um, oh okay he was uh kyle bach uh, on uh, living single I, I was gonna say yes, I, that's what i know him from yeah. yes I was going to say, most people probably know him from Living Single. <laughs> there's two black guys in this show. Uh, there's a hot black chick in it, too. Mm, my there's that, yeah, there's, there's, I had yeah, to look her was, up. <laughs> she was smoking. Um, but I just, before we talk about the episode, me personally, uh, I, I feel like I've been talking about this show for years. I was shocked and startled when I mentioned it to, I, I believe, I know, Zach, you couldn't remember it, but Diallo, did you remember this one at all back in the day? Like, I feel like I've brought this up and neither of you guys sort of remembered it. You know, I didn't uh, remember it every, every time he brought it up, but then as I was watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, I actually remember. I at least watched the pilot and maybe another episode or two. So. And, you know, it's funny how that goes, where you're like, oh, you start watching, like, oh, crap, I remember this. Yeah. Um, but it was always one of those things where I was like, because you guys know so much more than I do. <laughs> and so when I say something that a show you guys might not know, I'm like, what, what, what is this? I don't like this at all. I feel weird. <laughs> 
it, I think I might have heard about it when um, I was. I used to do those extensive birthday collages on two dollar late fees Instagram page that just ate up way too much time and it was a insanely big waste of time <laughs> and energy. But I would like do deep dives on on the filmographies of all these actors that, and I think I might have pulled up stills from this from when Fisher Stevens had it celebrated his birthday or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, Denise Crosby. Me, Denise Crosby is what sparked my memory when she was on it. And then I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, dude. All of this, man. Like, so speaking of Denise Crosby, uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation is is my Star Trek. I was a huge TNG fan. I was upset when they killed her off and everything because I think, what, she did Playboy, so they just, like, wrote her off the show or something. No, she just wanted um, to leave. She wanted more opportunities. She went to do okay. – she did – what do you call it right after that uh, – Pet cemetery. Pet, pet cemetery. Yeah. 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 Um. So I loved her. So so seeing her in this, I I'd already like was a fan of hers. Um. I was a big Fisher Stevens fan, probably because of Short Circuit, but I, I don't I don't know why, and I don't think a lot of people say I'm a big Fisher Stevens fan, <laughs> but I was as a kid. I just I liked his style. I liked his vibe. Um. Always liked him whenever he popped up in anything. Uh, but for me, as much as, you know, Zach, we've discussed the burning uh, on podcasting after dark proper and everything. And, he, you know, he's been on eps- a couple episodes of uh, the beginning of Friends. But for me, Key West, I always go back to Key West uh, in my head um, for whenever I think of Fisher Stevens. And then my, yeah, my science project, I have to interrupt and say my science project is is definitely a highlight as far as Fisher Stevens is concerned. If you've never seen my science project, go watch it now. And. As a kid, I'll tell you, I watched My Science Project more than I watched um, Weird Science. Yeah, same. Same here. But the big standout for me in rewatching the pilot, even though he has like a like a six-minute scene and he's only in one scene, the biggest standout for me as a kid whenever I thought back of the show was Brian Thompson. And I know I'd seen him in Cobra and whatnot, uh, but I didn't watch Cobra a lot as a kid. My buddy Luke did. I had seen it maybe once or twice. It wasn't my jam as a kid. And to this day, anytime I see a Brian Thompson, I just think of Key West. I think of his eccentric sheriff character in this. And I rewatching the pilot, I see why. He is such a joy to watch on screen as this hippie, sort of bro-ish, sort of guru-ish uh, sheriff. And it's just, he's so much fun. But I'll let Zach elaborate a little bit more on on him because Zach, uh, uh, you know, interviewed him and everything um, for $2 late fee. And that episode will be dropping uh, in May or, or June, right, Zach? Yeah, yeah, a couple months from now. Uh, we always backlog our interviews. But thanks to Corey and thanks to our Patreon segment, $2 six questions, Um we were able to talk about Key West with Brian, and he he has a lot to say about it, but it's a, that's a Patreon-only exclusive, so uh, you'll have to sign up to Patreon to hear his thoughts about Key West. But he was v- he's very fond of that show, just to put it in a, in a nutshell. That's- and, and Brian, and he does, I, I feel after watching this episode, his character has been, uh, that mold has been used in other things moving forward. Like it, it reminds me of other actors from other movies in the past, like 10, 20 years, a little bit of like Ben Stiller esque type moments right. when Ben Stiller t- kind of plays a bro guy. 
a little bit of Jack Black in there, you know, uh, elements of maybe who's that dude on, um, uh, what was that? The, the show, uh, Silicon Valley, uh, who would get high all the time. And, uh, uh, TJ Miller. Yeah. A little bit of TJ Miller in there too. Elements of that a little bit of John Cena, I guess. And you know, he was always known as like a, a, a drum dramatic or even villainous, like sort of characters and stuff like that. So to see him play this, very goofy, but also imposing because he's a big dude. It was a, it was yeah. a very fun juxtaposition. I loved it. I I, I think I, I I was texting you guys earlier in the day, and I was saying how he stole the show, or he was the highlight, or something. He truly is. Like he's the guy is way more than that one dimensional villain that he played in um in in in, in Cobra. Yeah, and he's a dime. He's a dynamic actor who's really talented at his craft so when that episode drops i think everyone's going to be uh i think everyone's going to really enjoy that episode because he is he's way more than what you would expect and i'll put a a link retroactively i put it in the show notes for this when it does drop um but yeah just a real quick overview some of my thoughts on on the pilot episode then i'll let you guys uh chime in um you know it's your sort of your typical pilot it sets up you know fisher stevens's character seamus o'neill gets down there and he just meets this crazy collection of characters uh tj carson kind of becomes his guide through the city as he's meeting other characters and stuff there's this crazy cajun bartender played lightly played by leland crook um and then you know like i said jennifer tilly's in it and everything and it's just it's a lot of fun but i i very much enjoyed a lot of the humor in it so there's a scene where the crocodile is having a dream about who who the crocodile is going to eat and i was like this is hilarious and also the chick is extremely hot that the crocodile wants to eat um but the, the there's really Good humor. One of it comes from actually uh, 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 Brian Thompson's character. He makes a Star Wars reference where he talks about what yeah. you, what happens if you cross the line. He's like, but if you cross cross over to the dark side of the Force, I will become like Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm like, it's great. And then it, on the flip side of the coin, there's some pretty decent cultural commentary happening where um, uh, Denise Crosby's playing this well, she would nowadays be like this MAGA sort of Republican conservative going up against the mayor of the town who's like this ultra liberal and he happens to be uh, homosexual as well. Um, and it's just it's really great. And I like his like he comes out, quote unquote, on air, but he doesn't say it, he doesn't do it shamefully. He's like, I came out with pride and everything. And it felt like a very positive message. And then they actually even made Denise Crosby's character. She wasn't just a one dimensional, like piece of crap. Like she, she's a recovering alcoholic. She has like a relapse in this episode. I thought it was all, I thought the drama in this episode was handled as well as the comedy. And I thought it was a very good balance. Now, Zach and I talked offline about one of the possibilities of why this only lasted 13 episodes is because how often do you see an hour long comedy? It just, it doesn't, you sort of expect it to be a sitcom 30 minutes. You know what I mean? And I would say this is like, 55% 55% comedy, 45% drama. Like, it just edges out just a smidge more on the comedy side. And maybe you're right, Zach. Maybe, uh, like, an hour would have been a little bit too long back then. But I think nowadays this probably would have made a pretty damn good Netflix show or HBO show, especially if you got to see maybe a little bit more nudity or, or more of the adult stuff with uh, Jennifer Tilly and everything. But um, That's your fantasy. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, maybe up with that, like, maybe fucking... if there were more boobies. But maybe. 
maybe it would have lasted longer if there were more boobies in it. <laughs> I mean, they they did push the envelope with that uh, again with that crocodile. That, scene. I actually took a I actually took a video and I was gonna send it to you guys actually because I was like, wait, what is this? <laughs> I guess this is, is actually, but thing is that was fox man remember like when fox was first starting out they were the edgy sh- uh, network and everything and i feel like this was kind of like them trying to push the envelope not just in sexiness but also like in social commentary and everything like that but um diallo what did uh, what did you think of key west did you watch the pilot yeah i watched the pilot and like i said when, when i was watching it i remembered i was like oh yeah i'd actually seen this um way back when it first came on um when i and and I do remember not particularly connecting with it back then. Um, and um, I had a little bit of that now, but like it was kind of what you guys were talking about. I mean, we say this over and over and over and over and over again on this show. I think it was probably a little bit of a, ahead of its time. One of the things that I, not one of the things I think um, it was missing was a little bit more like music and production to kind of cue the comedy a little bit more. I think that's it felt a little bit flat to me. Like I knew they were trying to be funny, but it felt a little flat, and I just needed it to heighten the the ridiculousness of the situations a little bit more. Um, but watching it as an adult, I think I. I related to it a lot better than I did when I was younger. Um, I think I was a little, I remember watching it before and I think, like I said, I think I was just disappointed because I like, because Denise Crosby was in it and it was like the first time I got to see her in anything other than Star Trek. Yeah. And and I don't know why I was stuck on her not being Tasha Yar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, and I, I like the location, um, especially I think right around that time I was like, in my degree uh, as an English major. So the fact that it was in Key West, I was really into Hemingway and I connected, I kind of connect. I think that's why I showed up to watch it was because I knew it was going to be in Key West and um, Fisher Stevens, like, you know, he goes to Hemingway's house and stuff at the beginning. And I like that stuff. Uh, let me ask you something like this whole show, he, you know, Fisher Stevens character is so into Hemingway. It's like this Mecca for him and everything. I've never read Hemingway. I'm not a big reader. Diallo, is does he live up to the hype? Like, is he all that everyone sort of cracks him out to be? Who Hemingway or Fisher yeah. Stevens? No, no, oh, no. no Hem- just, Hemingway. I just, I, I Hemingway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. You know, it's funny. It's. I mean, it's been a minute since I've read Hemingway, and it's sort of like, how do I say it? Like, he if he when he was writing, it would have been like. He came on the scene uh, early 20th century, right? And kind of like his writing kind of blew everything away. And he was like the guy for a while. Plus, he had this like really rich real life. Like he was almost like a superhero in real life. So he was just like a larger than life type person. Um, but as time has gone on, um, you know, his, his his writing might not be viewed as well as it was then um it's like i haven't even heard his name come up in forever since like until today (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah um so yeah i mean i mean like uh old man in the sea was one of my favorite books as a kid you know all of his but i his life story is actually like was one of the most fascinating things for me but again he was like uh, you know 
he he came in the era where like the boomer generation was really into that and they kind of the silent generation i should say a little bit more and then they kind of taught that to us but i think as we've grown older we've moved away from that so yeah yeah i don't know might have to go reread something and then check back in (laughs) <laughs> and, and and I know you're still going through thoughts, but I, I do want to chime in. You said you connected more with it now, and I'd say I kind of connected with Fisher Stevens' character a little bit more now. As someone who was like, mm-hmm. clearly he's an artist, and he's coming from a family that has no artists in it, and it even like sort of like looked down on reading, he would he said. There's a funny moment uh, where he sort of relates a story about how he would have to read a book in bed, uh, you know, under the covers, hidden behind the Playboy, and then when his dad found out about it, that he was reading a book and not the Playboy, he hit him over his head and stole the playboy and i was like it was funny um but i kind of i mean i didn't have that kind of life but i kind of sort of felt i enjoyed part of that and i kind of related to that character a bit yeah when he's i mean at the opening scene like drive like yeah. he drives his car into the ocean i was like who like who can't relate to that now like as a yeah when i was younger i think i, I think i was in college i think when it when it came on so like i just I, I was living in a bubble you know then but now it's like oh yeah like I mean, I want to do that right now. Like, I want to get rich so I can just, like, toss everything I have. And, you know, maybe I've, I've always wanted to move to Key West. So maybe that's what I'll do when I get rich so, next So month. sign up for Diallo's Patreon so you can help him achieve this goal. <laughs> By the Hemingway um, house. But, yeah. like, uh, But, it, you know, it was the social commentary, too. Like, I thought it was really interesting. I, you know, I joked to you guys about uh, the contents of the show. Like, you know, if the if this show came on today, there would be, like, people crying and calling it woke, you know. But, yeah. Um, but that whole, the whole idea of her being this conservative and um, that was, it wasn't, so, it's not so much that she was conservative, but it was just the way she, it was the vindictiveness that she had towards the, the society. And, yeah. um, and it used to be a time when that was sort of like, we, at least I feel like it was recognized that that wasn't the way to be. And, um, but it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. There would be people defending some of the stances that she took, and also in uh, <laughs> the other show, uh, the other show, the uh, there's a politician that was the same way. I think it was in One West Waikiki, but but yeah. So it's like I, but I, I like that they touched on that. They touched on the um, him like again. Was it ninety four? No, this was ninety three. Ninety three. Yeah. yeah, like him coming out as um, homosexual, like that, like. That's freaking huge. Like in night in ninety three, like you know. So yeah, it's like subject matter that they that we don't normally that they didn't normally do. Um, it just was, I don't know. It just was interesting to me as an adult. But as a youngster, I just wanted to, you know. I just I didn't get it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zach, as a, as a newcomer to the to the show, what'd you think? Well, I have so many thoughts because, first of all, Fisher Stevens is uh, great on Secession right now mm. as well. I know he's he's been in all five seasons, I think, or at least in four of them. Um, and tremendous actor who I don't think ever really got the appreciation he deserved. Clearly, he got his own show at this point, and that's a big get in 93. Um, but, you know, I, I think he he didn't, other than playing the, you know, 
Middle Eastern stereotype in in, in short uh, short circuit. I don't think a lot of people, mainstream people, know him that well. I think mostly like underground people, you know, kids renting VHS tapes. My Science Project, I think, was a popular one to rent back in the day. But I don't think a lot of people know about him. So to put him in the lead of a show is not unheard of because um, this show is, in my opinion, the uh you know east southeastern equivalent of northern exposure and picket fences yeah. which came out both came out prior to this one uh picket fences i think was 92 and northern exposure might have been 90 and it's that same kind of small town uh dramedy you know funny things happen because of the quirky characters and but then there's a heavy dose of drama as well and um i think they both both of those shows uh I think this show owes a lot to both of those shows in tone. I think that whole dynamic with the mayor is very interesting and super progressive for its time. And now would play, I think really well to some audiences. And like Diallo said to some people, they'd side with Denise Crosby's uh, mayoral mayoral candidate. Um, Just watching this pilot, I wanted, I was like, Whoa, I want to know what's going to happen next. You know, there's a whole voodoo dynamic going on. There's a, uh, a, like uh you know cuban bigwig who whose son is autistic who is wearing a helmet and boxing gloves and my mom used to work for uh for like a group home back in the day and there was a kid who run around with a helmet and boxing gloves on and it's the first time i've seen that like on a show and i'm like whoa and there's like how he's able to communicate with dolphins that whole dynamic and um that was really emotional because I'm like, wow, that's really heavy. They're dealing with autism in 93. This is way before it kind of had gained uh, in notoriety from, you know, people like, unfortunately, people like Jenny McCarthy. Uh, but anyways, oh, that. And, but real, I just, real quick, I just want to say, but it was cool because th- that's the dad of the autistic kid is clearly the like one of the villains of the show or a potential yeah. villain and this potential gave villain yeah yeah and this gave him like that humanity this is it gave him this alternate side so even like with um denise crosby's character you think she's just going to be a certain way and then you find out there's a little, a little bit more to it make her a little bit more interesting this guy seems like a cardboard cutout villain at the beginning and then you you know you find out that he's trying to connect with his son and everything even though you think he's disowning him but he's not really it's, it's just I was like, you know what? This is deeper than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. And it makes you want to watch the next the next episodes to find out what's going to happen with those relationships. You know, is the mayor is she going to is the mayor mayoral candidate who's kind of tapped to win this whole thing? Is she going to, you know, turn and become a good guy? Is the 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 millionaire with the autistic son is he going to be like a sympathetic now cuz he was siding with the Denise Crosby's character in the initial episode, is he going to turn, you know, the, the, the newspaper owner that Fisher Stevens character wants to work with, he like kicks him, he fires him on his first day. Is he going to rehire? But then there's like this idea of like, is he going to let him rehire him or is he going to let him suffer or whatever? There's a lot of dynamics that go on that make you want to find out what happens next. And of course, Brian Thompson's sheriff character is, 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 that moment where you're like, whoa, this guy, I want to see more of this guy because he is the ultimate quirky character. That gumbo guy who owns the uh, the, sh- the strip club slash restaurant, 
uh, you know, he's interesting. And, and then obviously uh, TC Carter's character is, is he's funny, but he's also kind of like the, he's a grounded character as well in a weird way. Like he and Seamus are like the two grounded characters in this show. It seems so far. Um, and obviously there's more romantic interest going on as the show moves forward. And then, and then Jennifer Tilly's character is very dynamic too. You're like, okay, yeah, she's this lady of the night, but also she's got like a spiritual side to her too, which is interesting. And you can tell she's enjoying herself acting wise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the scene that, that I think both of us had mentioned where she, you know, basically is paid to have sex with this 18 year old on his birthday. That scene, I'm like, this is really kind of well written. And this, I kind of like, I don't want to see where the, I want to see where the scene goes, not from like a sexual standpoint, but from like a dramatic standpoint, you know, because she's talking about how she's going to teach this kid, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And I wanted to watch more of it. Uh, we'll never see a proper release of it. I'm sure. And also made me want to go visit Key West. It's beautifully shot. It's really be- like the the way the camera angles are in the beginning. Um, I was so blown away when Seamus like kills his car because it's a beautiful convertible. And I'm like, not that car. Yeah. Like I would have loved to have seen him driving like a Chevy Nova or something. You know, that would have made more sense in a way. Yeah. This is like, did he just buy that car be- with his money? Because that looks like an expensive car. And then he kills the car. I'm like, no, don't kill that car. In 93, um, it might not have been a, a- I guess not. Maybe they would have rather if it was a 5.0 with the ragtop down. Yeah. So it was hair can flow with his big hair, by the way. Oh, yeah. Which he pretty much lost all of that. And, you know, yeah, it, maybe that's what happened to his career a little bit. Um, but you make a good point, man. I think that they they made good use of the location there. Uh, yeah. They really show off Key West. And I've I've been to Key West. I went there with my dad and stepmom. Uh, I think probably around maybe 96, actually. Wow, probably a few years after this, 96 or 97. And, I mean, you, you can't replicate. Like, you can't, like, they can't film this on a back lot or something like that. Like, it needs to be filmed here. And I think if you're going to call something Key West or, you know, uh, uh, Waikiki or have something, you, you got to be there. You know what I mean? You actually have to be there. And, yeah. and the, the location is just as much of a character as as the rest of the show. But, yeah, like... You know, a lot of these other characters you said, you know, you've kind of seen before the Cajun cook and all this kind of stuff. But Brian Thompson's character is wholly unique. (laughs) It just he enters the scene by coming down off of a parachute, like jumping out of an airplane. Like that's how you're introduced to his character in the whole. And like he has one of those airplane caps on, you know, or whatever. (laughs) It's just my God, it was so good. And and as far as pilots go, you know, Zach, you keep mentioning like all these storylines. You're like, I want to see what's next. I want to see. I think that's a great pilot right there. A great yeah. pilot episode makes you want to go to the next episode because you're like, holy crap, they set up everybody. I think they set up all the characters very well in this episode. And for, I mean, Diallo, would you agree from a writing standpoint? Like, it does what it's supposed to do, right? Like, like gets people excited for what's coming. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the... It's a, it, This is not me knocking it. Um, I just feel like ri- it's written in the time it's written. Um, so at that time, we still hadn't quite gotten to like long story arcs for TV shows. And that was one disconnect. I think I felt from it. They did like, they did start setting stuff up, but it felt very disjointed to me. 
So okay. yeah, so like the the Jennifer Tilly stuff seemed very disjointed from like the like the mayor stuff from Fisher Stevens stuff, and if there was more of a flow with it, I might have like connected with it a little bit more. And I think that, but I it's like not to knock them because that's only something that's been that's evolved over like the decades since that they can do it now. So if it was on, if it was redone on, like you said, like Netflix, they would approach it a little bit differently. And I think it would flow a little bit better. So that's why I think it's like one of those ideas, like it's just ahead of its time. Um, Cause they were trying to do something that was like quite different from anything else that was on television at the, at the time. So. And I agree with you about the Jennifer Tilly thing because every other aspect of the show and all the other characters and pretty much everything you see is from Fisher Stevens' point of view. Mm-hmm. But then Jennifer Tilly's kind of one of the few times that you see scenes that are not with Fisher Stevens and are mm-hmm. outside of it. And then at the end with the the, the dad and the, the dolphins and stuff. But that's fine. That feels like sort of a tacked on thing and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with you that Jennifer Tilly's stuff felt a bit disconnected. But I think... If I recall, she sort of becomes the love interest. So I mm. guess I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if like you know their storylines start to like overlap and become more connected and everything moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so uh, Zach, I assume you did, did you, you didn't show any of these to Bodie, did you? <laughs> no, I watched these on a plane ride. <laughs> yes. So uh, right. <laughs> all right, well, I was able to fit all three pilots in on the flight from uh, Portland to L.A. Wow. earlier today. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't. We won't have a Bodie rating then. So uh, no Bodie rating on these. <laughs> not on these. Not, not yet, at least. Maybe. Uh, maybe when he does TV obscure in like twenty years or something. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so next two shows both came out in '94, but Diallo's One West Waikiki had less seasons. So I'll let him go first because it's technically a bit more obscure then, I guess. <laughs> that's that's only that's how I, I think it is. The, the... I'm kind of surprised. I, I figure both of them are, but definitely Diallo's is more on the obscure side. Yeah, yeah. So just based on episodes alone. So yeah. Diallo. Oh, really quick, really quick. I uh, one more thing about Key West. If you go look on IMDb at the, the a- actors who've been on the show. Uh, Sam J. Jones was on an episode of 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 uh, of Key West. Oh wow! Nice, nice. That's awesome. And Mariska Hargitay. Oh wow! Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So uh, I mean, that, those are a couple good ones. Yeah. If if it by the way, after watching the pilot, if it was available on DVD, I would have bought the box set today. But no doubt, it is not. So Diallo. one Waikiki Key West. Diallo, one Waikiki West. One Waikiki West. It was the show that low-key inspired me to live in Hawaii, actually. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, and become a police officer? Yeah. Um, a womanizing police <laughs> yeah, officer. Yeah, yeah. Twizzlers, right? Yeah, that drives a convertible. Um, yeah, so one West Waikiki. It's a crime drama Uh with comedic element, a strong comedic bent to it. Um, it aired on CBS in 1994 um, for one season that only lasted, it only had, a, I think, about six episodes or so. Um, then it uh, was in syndication for the second season from 95 to 96. The series is set in Hawaii and it starred Dr. Don Holly Holiday, who was uh, Cheryl Ladd from, we know her from Charlie's Angels, 
mostly um she was on the love boat uh las vegas you guys remember that show um it was like i remember that show. early yeah. early 2000s um yeah, yeah. yeah i remember that you show. remember her in uh millennium I, with chris christopherson yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. that's what i was gonna fucking call out dude that's a movie that I watched a ton as a kid. It came out in 1989. Yep. Yeah. I watched it so much as a kid, but like no one freaking remembers it outside of like you guys. And uh, and of course I haven't seen it probably since 1990, but I I watched it like 10 times on VHS like that first year. Did Hans Zimmer do the score to that? Zach, do you know that? Do you know that? Um, I don't know offhand, but I know it was a big a big bomb yeah, because I do know that. people were like, "What is the Point, what, what, who, Chris Christopherson in an action <laughs> sci-fi movie? Um, Diallo, uh, Eric Robertson uh, is the composer for, oh, okay. for that one. Okay. Has a big feel to it, though. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, uh, oh, she's a, <laughs> she's a forensic expert from Los Angeles who's in uh, Hawaii visiting her, an old love, um, an old flame who was uh, played by uh, his name, uh, Douglas Barr, who you know him as Howie from The Fall Guy, mostly. He wow, was, what a cameo. Yeah, yeah yes. he was on The Wizard, and he was on Designing Women as Bill Silfield. He's also on a CBS after-school after special. It's a you know, tie-in to an um, uh, old episode of uh, TV Obscura we did. Um, also, uh, it starred uh, Richard Burgey um, as Lieutenant Mac Wolf. He, uh, a lot of people might know him from Desperate Housewives. He played uh, Carl Mayer. He was on uh, season of 24. A lot of, uh, some people might know him from The Sentinel, which was a syndicated show in the 90s, mid 90s. He had like heightened senses and crazy stuff. It's a yeah, good action I show. That show. I know him from an episode of Firefly where he plays yeah. uh, a bounty hunter tracking down that guy's body that sort of wakes up and he's yeah. transporting organs or whatever. Yeah. He, yeah. That's I, it's the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, why does this asshole look familiar? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, Firefly. Yeah. That was uh, that, that yeah. asshole. Was, <laughs> yeah. That the, was that the one when he shoots Mal in the... Yes. Yeah. That was a really great episode. Yes. The whole yeah. the whole episode. Yeah, that was a great episode. I mean, that like, was yeah, a great show. Transport... Yeah, Mal's Mal's friend from the war, and so you saw that flashbacks from the war and everything like yeah, that. And yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Some uh, who gets shot? It's not Mal. It's somebody else gets shot. I, well, think, I thought uh, I thought it would have been the one where he has the part um, that they need. They needed a part. No, no, no. no that no, was a different. Wasn't that, that was one. a different. Yeah, that was okay. a different episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was a different guy. Anyway, um, everybody knows him from other stuff, but I know him first. For playing Philip on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> uh, I do want to call out a very small role, but um, Una Damon played Mandy, and she was in Deep Rising. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, nice. Oh, cool. And can I, while, while we're on the people for the, from this episode, I want to call out Daniel Von Bargen. <laughs> he had a very small role at the end, but yeah. uh, fucking Nix from Lord of the Lord of Illusions and also Kayuger from Seinfeld. <laughs> R.I.P. Daniel Von Bargen. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they were, uh, she, because she's from L.A., she is visiting, um, uh, Hawaii, she's visiting her old flame. She dies off a boat um, into the water. She's a dead body. 
calls in um, the police and um, uh, Mac Wolf, Richard Burgey, is the one that's on assignment, kind of spirals from there into this big conspiracy. Um, and it, it, what kind of results after all of it is that she ends up staying in Hawaii and becomes the medical examiner there. And for the rest of the series, it just ha- they go like case by case and have lots of shenanigans. Um, Richard Burgey's like this, you know, he's like, he's the best cop Honolulu has, but he's also like, he's not quite, he's not like, he's more put together than, um, than, uh, Martin Riggs, but yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's like a womanizer. He makes inappropriate comments to Tamalyn Tamita, who's also, uh, has a, has a role in, um, the show, uh, he drives a uh, convertible car in Hawaii, and there's a line in here. And then when I moved there, I realized that this is the case. Um, uh, uh, the the cops over there can drive their own cars because it, it helps the city, the city or the county or whatever save money by having the cops drive their own cars. Um, well, he ends up not, <laughs> not paying, like it was in the second episode, he ends up not paying his uh, payments on his car and they try to repo his police car. <laughs> so he's like, that's just kind of let you know like, what kind of guy he is. And a, a few other people like really noteworthy. Uh, Paul Gleason um, is in this. He plays uh, Captain Dave Herzog. He was in like Rockford Files, Miami Vice, um, playing a non-dick. Yeah, Paul Gleason. right, right. I mean, you know, not pl- playing against type, his stereotype in the '80s. Yeah, from Breakfast Club and Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah, because I liked it. He was like, look, I respect you, man. Like, he was telling, you know, the uh, the main guy, you know. He's like, but you just got to, like, work with me type of thing. Yeah, he wasn't – He was. it was the, the main guy was more of a dick than he was, I thought. Yeah. Terry Carter, who played Colonel Ty on Battlestar Galactica, was, uh, was the, uh, like, the other medical examiner. Um, uh, shout out to Galactica Actually podcast. Um that I'm doing right now. I just actually just purchased uh, the original series and I've been watching that this past week and I saw him on there. And I was really excited. Nice. Um, yeah. Other like random guest stars, Ken Howard, the white shadow. He was in the pilot episode. Coach uh, of the white shadow. Yeah. In the second episode, Robert Pine is in it. You know him as Chris Pine's dad. Dad. But he yeah. also he's 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 also I know him mostly as a, a Sergeant Gutierrez from Chips. From Chips. Yeah. yeah me too. That's, I used to watch. Guy. I used to watch the shit out of Chips back in the day. Yeah. Chips, eighteen, and, and Dukes of Hazard were my. Uh, yeah. As a wee lad. Yeah. And also, just yeah, now that you say that, that was what I mean. Um, it was created by Glenn A. Larson, who basically also created my childhood. Um, so, like, you know, uh, Battlestar Galactica, Knight Rider, Magnum P.I., uh, Quincy, The Fall Guy, Buck Rogers. He wrote yep. for Six Million Dollar Man. Um, awesome. He's done some shows that I feel like at some point will be done on. Um, on TV Obscura, like BJ and the Bear, we I think we did Manimal, right? Yes, we, we did. did do yeah, Manimal. yeah, yeah. Um, the Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew's Mystery, and uh, Nightman. So, yeah, one thing that was uh, kind of interesting about it because uh, it was a so it was it's obscure because it was pitched as a summer show, which is really not common um, even today. 
Um, and this, I think the story around it is they pitched it as a summer show to make more. They had uh, international deals. They were going to make more money and then um, have it go to network and be like full-fledged uh, season. But it just never really caught on with ratings. And they ended up doing a second season that was in syndication. And they actually had planned to uh, shoot it in um, like part of it in American Samoa and uh, New Zealand. Um, I, th- I guess her jurisdiction as the uh, as the medical examiner in the South Pacific could send her to those places. And that was their, the producer's way of trying to make it a little bit more exotic to, cause like nothing ever was really like that. Um, but it just never really took off. So it only lasted um, another 13 episodes and then it left the air. Um, so. But that it never was... left your heart, did it? No. Like, I remember watching it. <laughs> I remember watching the... Because like, they, they, it hit me. I mean, I already, like, always had a thing for Hawaii anyways. Like, uh, like not like... I mean, everybody does. But, um, yeah, I just kind of... I watched it. I'd already had started making plans to go to grad school. And that was one of the schools. But that really kind of lit me up when I watched it. And... Yeah, it just, uh, I don't know. I remember, like, when I remember when I got to Hawaii and I saw actually the one West Waikiki, which is the the police station right down, right, like, right smack center in uh, Waikiki. I was like, oh, that's the that's the place where uh, that show was that I watched that one time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's about it. What did you, what did you guys uh, think about it, Corey? Uh, yeah, I, I, I it's, this is not my kind of show uh, inherently, but I very much enjoyed my time with this uh, this episode. I watched the pilot episode. Um, I, uh, shoot, I forgot what it was called. It has a proper name to it, but I, actually, I watched the, the pilot. Actually, episode. the pilot is actually – I did a lot of research on this. The, the pilot is actually called the pilot. It's called pilot. <laughs> and then the second oh. episode is – I forget the name. The, the second episode had a name, and they kind of – group those two together and um yeah isn't it yeah like till death do us part yeah. or something like that yeah. Yeah. yeah something like yeah um yeah but no i i i enjoyed the two leads i liked i liked the 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 just the budding heads budding of the heads and everything that they were doing i thought that was a lot of fun i thought he was an interesting character because you know, he's not the most, he's good looking. He looks like the leading man, but then he's kind of like, kind of a piece of crap. And I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit intrigued by him, but it, you know, he's supposed to be a good cop, but he's also a womanizer and he's always chewing on his Twizzlers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's kind of, he's a little underhanded here and there. Um, but, you know, you get the sense that he's still trying to, you know, still be a good cop, but he also doesn't quite believe her. Um, I did find it interesting that, that everybody who came in contact with her, cause she's from the LAPD forensics office. Everyone's like, "Well, you must really make your bosses upset with uh, with your you know, how aggressive you are, you know." And if it's only because she's a woman trying to exert, you know, some kind of uh, her opinion that she's aggressive, you know. Um, I thought that was funny, but I liked that she stood her ground. Um, I liked that they had. You could tell they have chemistry. But it didn't feel like, at least right away, that it's leading towards something like romantic. Um, I was, I kind of hope it doesn't. I don't know where it goes, but I kind of hope it doesn't lead someplace romantic because 
I kind of like the idea of, of two people having to work together that don't quite get along, but they're still trying to aim for the same goal, you know, type of thing. I think that can create a bit more uh, fun drama and whatnot. Um, and then just like of the time, like, man, talking about, you know, DNA being this new, you know, forensic thing and the <laughs> DNA, everyone, everyone's got a DNA fingerprint and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, I can remember when all of this stuff was news, you know what I mean? Like I can, this was all 94. I was, um, I think 15, maybe 16, uh, somewhere in that age range. So I, I can remember all of this, man. I was in high school and everything. I remember the, that Camaro that he's driving. Like I remember seeing those on the streets and stuff. And, uh, I thought that was like all great blast from the past. And then, you know, the guy from the fall guy, thank you for, for helping me with that. Cause the whole time I'm watching it, I was on the treadmill when I was watching this one. I'm just like, where the fuck do I know that guy from? Where the fuck did I couldn't look, you know, because I'm trying not to touch the screen, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, it was it was fun. So for someone like me who this is not their inherent cup of tea, I thoroughly had a good time on this first pilot episode. And uh, kind of ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger. And if I was uh, not, you know, so pressed for time today to watch, you know, three hour long shows, uh, I might have actually watched the second episode to sort of see where this this one storyline goes, because uh, this one sort of deals with, you know, I think a body, you know, uh, stealing organs and stuff like that. And Diallo, correct me if I'm wrong. This is probably just a part of the two parter. I don't think this leads into like an ongoing season of them trying to track these people down. Right. It kind of gets resolved in the second episode. Yeah. It just gets resolved. And then every episode is kind of, I mean, so, you know, standard. Yeah. Uh, early night is just very episodic. Uh, they do the second episode. They did. Um, what's his name? Uh, Howie. I Howie from fall guy. Right. I don't remember if he died in the, First episode or second? He died. He gets yeah, killed. Yeah, the first episode. And uh, I don't know. Again, I can't remember if it was the first or second episode. But they brought up uh, something about uh, finding uh, he was like HIV positive or something like first that. First episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They mentioned so that, and that was, and, very you know, that was it. And one of the things, because like he gets sort of he gets killed. But they make it look like a a, a, a hanging, mm-hmm. and they even talk about that bone that yeah. breaks in your throat if you actually get choked versus if you hang yourself. And then I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" It's like the whole Epstein thing. Um, but probably what I was most impressed with was just the caliber of the cast. Like Daniel, or Richard, I'm sorry, Richard Burgey. Again, I'm only sort of familiar with a few things of him, but I thought he was strong. Cheryl Ladd was great, but I was kind of popping for Paul Gleason. Um, not going to lie, I popped for Terry Carter because I used to watch Battlestar Galactica back in the day too, dude. And uh, But also Mitchell Ryan, like he had a small oh, yeah. role in this yeah. one. I assume he gets it maybe expanded out more. Um, but I was I was upset that Daniel Von Bergen, uh, Bargen didn't show up until like the end of this episode. But uh, he he was my favorite, and I saw his name in the in the opening credits. So I was like waiting for him to come. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought overall, man, I thought this was hella quality. Um, I thought it was you know a fun episode. And again, like I said, for someone who doesn't sort of go out of their way to watch sort of shows like these, I was like, yeah, I could I could see myself watching this one. Yeah, just to piggyback on what you're saying, I definitely, like, it's more in line with the things I like. Um, but, like, to be honest, it was the location, mostly, that I like yeah. what drew me in. And I didn't hang around. for. I mean, it was only on 
for six episodes. I remember like in the summer and I was running around doing stuff in the summer, but I just, I always remember like liking it, but it definitely was rough around the edges. It could have, could have had a lot of more, it could have done some stuff better, obviously, because it only lasted a few episodes. <laughs> but, but at the same time, it feels like, you know, it was at the beginning of these types of shows, like when did like Xena and all of them come out? I feel weren't they like later nineties, like ninety eight, ninety nine? I think it was mid mid to late nineties. Okay. Yeah, the Hercules I think was earlier than this, I think, and then Xena was a little bit later. But and then the unprecedented popularity of nowadays, like Law and Order and everything. I just feel like th- this was a. To, to steal Diallo's words right out of his mouth, kind of ahead of its time. I, I think it was trying to do something different, and it seems derivative now, but this came out in 94, so I feel like it was kind of one of the first ones kind of trying to push this exotic locale type of, you know, procedural, you know, show and everything. And, you know, uh, you know, you know, what, to it. you know what did a good, I think, kind of a good version of this is or at least looks wise was a burn notice. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, um, cause it, it could have been a little bit more sexy. Um, this, this, I was expecting a bit more TNA and whatnot in it, but it didn't actually, I don't feel like the, at least in the, the pilot episode, it didn't lean in that direction too hard. Yeah. Not um, at all. I, I, I think like that's could have. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the deciding reasons why I didn't really catch on. And then, and then like, uh, it, the the copy that we were watching, I noticed that it was being like whoever ripped it, whatever it, it had like lifetime, and that yes. told, that told me every like told me everything. <laughs> told tell, tells you everything you need to know. Because <laughs> you know, it had Cheryl Ladd, and and it just like I I'm sure like her energy didn't doesn't quite fit like the sexy thing that they might have wanted to they could have pushed, and and then it just was on I, lifetime and. You know, even though she was skinny dipping in the very first scene. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> buck yeah, naked that is in that true. First that scene, is yeah. so true. That is. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Zach. Zach. Yeah. What do you think, Zach? Yeah, I was. You stole my line there. I was like, she gets the first two minutes of the episode. Uh, the lead actor gets buck naked. And I'm like, whoa, what kind of show is this? Uh, I did. I never saw it back in the day. Uh, reminded me. I think there was another show. Uh, with Rob Estes, Silk Stockings. Yeah, Silk Stockings. That was the other one I was thinking of when I was watching. Yeah, that was a good one, like kind of sexy. That was more of the sexy side. This felt more procedural in the way. I feel like this is a precursor to CSI uh, or NCIS or all those CBS shows that are super popular now. And, uh, you know, with with a a good whodunit plot and like how are they going to get from A to B to C, uh, I liked the multi-dimensional plot that was going on because yeah, you have this kidney uh, stealing thing. I love the fr- the the forensic doctor from Battlestar Galactica. You know, he says uh, that Cheryl Lads Cheryl Lads character asks how much a kidney goes for nowadays without missing a beat. He's like $30,000, like immediately. <laughs> like that's how much it goes for, uh, or about $30,000. And I, I liked the energy of this show. It felt like a show you would see on CBS nowadays. This is easily would be Hawaii five O type deal. Um, but I love the locale and yeah, I, I mean, I, my heart is in Hawaii as well and have a lot of affection for that island. And so it was cool seeing locations that I was familiar with. Um, 
the the main villain, the the female protagonist, female antagonist, was played by Julia Nixon, and I just remember her. She actually she was in Babylon Five, but um, she's been in a lot of shows, TVs and movies. But one in particular I remember was the movie K Two with Michael Bean mm, and uh, Matt Craven, mm. and she was like Matt Craven's wife in that show. But um, this show, for first of all, also had an amazing like guest starring. Uh, plethora of actors besides this these two episodes like don ho was on it pat morita uh adrian barbeau like those are three fairly you know well-known names um you know don ho maybe not so much robert forster was in an episode oh no shit Uh, and so was um kelly who was in an episode uh you know like joe polis from the thing had a, was on an episode for our podcasting after dark friends and family. Um, you know, like a, a pretty extensive list of like well-known guest stars. Oh, Mark DeCoscos was another one too, the early in his career. So I really enjoyed it again. Another episode where it ended on a cliffhanger, the pilot. And I thought, Oh, I want to want to, I want to watch the next one. I thought, again to get a little progressive or somewhat taboo for its time the fact that this one character you know allegedly has hiv is hiv positive you find out soon later probably that's not the case but it was a cool kind of whodunit dynamic detective show um yeah bergy's an interesting character he comes out he comes across as being like he looks like a football player like a dick, like probably bullied people when he was in high school. Probably. probably. I'm just stereotyping here. Yeah, he probably did. Um, but <laughs> yeah, he probably did. He, he looks a little bit like, oh, what the hell? Uh, um, Bradley Cooper, when he was in uh, The Wedding Crashers, you know, when Bradley Cooper was a dick in that, also named Zach, by the way. Um, kind of like that, That just, yeah, he, he looks like that typical asshole cop, but then there's something likable about him too. And then Cheryl Ladd is edgy as as her uh, character like her her love interest is the is murdered and so that's an interesting dynamic that you don't see in shows where the the main characters are you know directly affected by what's happening on the show uh, in the pilot at least so is it it was fun it was fun to watch i'd never seen it before it was a newbie i was a newbie coming into it and uh i enjoyed it i, I do want to call out a another guest uh that was on there uh, Jordan Charney, uh, Carney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y, um, played Dean Yeager in Ghostbusters at the beginning who kicks them, you know, kicks them out of the school and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Uh, that's it. That's what to call that one out. <laughs> oh, and you brought up, uh, Mitchell Ryan. It, he was the general for those that don't know in Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Yep. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You're freaking me out, man. Mr. Joshua, what is it? Shut up. Yeah. I thought this was another one that also made good use of the location because there was a lot of, like, you know, on the boat at the beginning and then, you know, swimming in the water and everything looked, you know, beautiful. And then just seeing them drive around town. I assume they expand, you know, the locations to, to more, you know, like some of the more exotic stuff later on the island. But it was kind of nice to sort of – to see like a more 
normal view of of Hawaii from the police point of view, from you know seeing a layer a mayor getting elected. You know, it's like that's kind of stuff that you don't really I don't think about when I see like Hawaii stuff. And then I thought it was really cool that the mayor slash I guess the bad guy or whatever he had um I don't think he was the bad guy, but I think he was sort of being spied on by the bad the guy foil, but. Yeah. They had a, an all-female bodyguard yeah. I thought was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was, was like, cool. I was like, that's neat. Like, those are, like, little touches that kind of make you perk up and be like, okay, you guys are trying to have some fun with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that, too. That was cool. It was something different, especially for its time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good shit, Diallo. I, that was a fun one, man. One West Waikiki. I also <laughs> remember the theme song all these years, the music. That was always in my head, and so... Yeah, I had to move to Hawaii. You know what theme song will not be in your head? The theme song to High Tide. This is true. <laughs> not. Nah, that's actually a lie. That's actually a lie because it's been in my head all day, actually. <laughs> and I didn't call it out, but on Key West, when I was watching the, the pilot, when that theme song and the intro came on, I was like, I know all of this. I can remember all. You know, when you, it's like when it floods your memory and you look yeah. like fucking yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall. Is it just kind of like flooding you? That happened to me <laughs> yesterday. The the theme song to Give Me a Break was on some TikTok or something I was watching, and I, I hadn't I hadn't heard it in like decades, and it came on, and I I was just started singing along, and I was like fascinated that I remembered all the little parts and bits. Like those are those are that's a good feeling, man. That yeah. happened to me with Punky Brewster. I was like, well, I forgot how much I love this song. So good. Did you watch the cartoon too back in the day? I did, but that, yeah, my God. It's like basically a Stephen Bishop type song, you know, it's super happy. Don't know. Don't know. Oh, it's so good. I watched the shit out of that back in the day, but I did not watch High Tide with Rick Springfield. But real quick, Zach. I knew this was going to be a great episode with synchronicities because the pilot episode, uh, I think it's called Let Us Pray or something for High yep. Tide, directed by Seamus O'Neill, which is Fisher Stevens' character's name in uh, in Key West. So I was like, this, yep. this was meant to be. Oh, so, snap. So, Zach, tell us about 1994's High Tide. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human. Something always watching. Something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide? If you were haunted for seven winters alone. Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook. And now, back to the show. Oh, baby. So High Tide was from 94 to 97. It lasted for three seasons, 72 episodes. It was syndicated. That's probably why. This was probably the height of syndicated television, I think, in the mid to late 90s when networks were just scrambling for content, kind of like they are now, if you think about it. Um, So it was just a generic kind of detective cop, uh, well, not cop show, but detective show uh, set in 
exotic locales once again, uh, even though it's originally supposed to t- even though it's originally supposed to take place in Venice Beach, Santa Monica area, it's shot in New Zealand. So <laughs> that's not Santa Monica or Venice Beach in the opening of the show, but it's in fact New Zealand. You know how um, I knew it was the not show was in Santa Monica, other than knowing I live in Santa Monica. The villain uh, was on Farscape. And yeah, and I knew for a fact that he was not in California. That had to be like in New Zealand or Australia. (laughs) Yeah, he's a cool villain, too, by the way. Yeah. 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 Uh, Nice. Nice. Well, this this high tide was created by Jeff Franklin and Steve Waterman. Jeff Franklin is most notable for creating Full House. Oh, wow. And yeah. And Steve Waterman is most notable for producing uh, Stuart Little and Casper. And the Chipmunks movies and all that kid stuff. Uh, so, but you know, Jeff Franklin and I mean, two big names in the in the television and um, family circuit. But High Tide starred Rick Springfield and Yannick Bisson. Uh, Yannick Bisson, well, you might know him from Learning the Ropes. As a child, he was on that show, and we and Diallo brought that show up back in the day uh, on an earlier episode of TV Obscura. But Rick Springfield, if you don't know who he is, then why are you listening to this show? Because you all know how much I personally love Rick Springfield. I've talked about the fact that I had his posters on my wall as a kid from Hard to Hold, uh, uh, Working Class Dog, album covers on my wall. I just, I am obsessed with Rick, with Rick Springfield. He's probably my number one all-time favorite artist. Uh, I, I love his music. It just speaks to me. And I love his acting career. That's why I chose this show. He was in a show, uh, Nick Knight, which ended up becoming um, Forever Knight. I think the syndicated Mm. show. He did the pilot for that when he was the vampire. I think I mentioned it in a previous TV Obscura where he's going to a tanning salon so he doesn't look like a typical vampire. Um, he, He was in Hard to Hold, which was a feature film musical. But then he, and obviously, you know, he was on, uh, what was it? general hospital for number of years and he also played he also played lucifer on supernatural yeah he was lucifer in supernatural i think he was he guest starred on battlestar galactica the original series a couple actually it was only one time i was just watching it this past week one time speaking of (laughs) synchronicity his name was zach on that episode and that's he was only in it for the first 10 15 minutes and he does he oh well those are the best he doesn't make it Spoiler alert! But it actually was the best. Well, he makes it in this. He was on it for sure. (laughs) He's got a great head of hair. Anyways, um, uh, this show also starred George Segal, who you know I think most people, most like our generation, will know him from uh, "Look Who's Talking." But the guy is a legendary actor. Rest in peace. He passed away I think a year or two ago. Um, But the show is about Rick Rick Springfield plays Mick Barrett. And Yannick plays Joey Barrett. They're two brothers. Uh, Mick is a former police officer working as a private detective with his younger brother. It's supposed to take place in San Diego, premise-wise, even though in the opening scene they're talking about this guy must have come up from Venice Beach. And I'm like, then that's Santa Monica or Malibu. But 
whatever who cares it's that's that's all beyond the beside the point um they, they're two surfers who go to exotic locales in their free time uh they bust bad guys and their their boss is george seagal whose name is gordon he's a retired cia agent the pilot episode which Corey mentioned earlier concerns a cult in south america that uh Gordon's friend asks the two brothers to go down and like help get his daughter out of this cult. When they get down there, they realize the cult is filled with hot women and the <laughs> cult leader is using all of this to smuggle weapons to uh, third world countries for the benefit of creating war and chaos. The opening to this show pretty much says it all babes, hunky dudes, guns. <laughs> More babes, hunky dudes again, wet hunky dudes, surfing, and explosions. And that's, if you like any of those three things or four things I just mentioned, then you're going to like this show. It's very uh, by the numbers. I loved it because, of course, Rick Springfield was in it. So any opportunity for me to see Rick Springfield on screen, I ate up. Uh, it's a fun show. It's a simple buddy, buddy show where they're constantly jabbing at each other about, you know, who can do what better than the other and you get to see rick springfield doing you know semi-decent martial arts with uh with with good cutaways so you don't actually see him you know see how bad some of his kicks are they're better than steven seagal at the time i will tell you that so mid 90s mid to late 90s seagal it's definitely damn better than that anyways i uh watched the show i watched the hell out of the show back in the day and I didn't watch all three seasons because eventually George Seagal left. Rick Springfield cut his hair short. <laughs> the show changed tonally, and it just wasn't for me anymore. But I want to get your guys' thoughts. We'll start with Diallo. Diallo, what did you think of High Tide? High Tide. If I, it's, so I completely missed this. Uh, it was again. I think it was right in that spot when I was ripping and running and wasn't sitting down in front of unless it was like on broadcast tv like you said earlier Corey fox uh was uh, most everything i watched was on that so if it was in syndication i probably missed it and that entire time i remember i was like yeah so i thought it was pretty wild i if i was in my 20s if i had seen it back then i know i would have loved it that was my takeaway. <laughs> I know, like it was yeah. just like it was just it was right up the alley of like everything that I like would have like really liked. Um, watching it now, I was kind of like you know my my critical my critical writer brain was turning on a little bit. I was like, oh, I didn't like how the brother and I it probably changed the younger brother. He was a little too like. Um, he got along too well. He followed his big brother around. I, I wish he had more agency or something. But um, other than that, I thought the setup was great. I like the idea of them just being like surfers that go around the world and getting like um, quote unquote missions from the XCIA agent was like a was a cool setup. But they like I remember Rick Rick Springfield like. Uh, established that it was about money like they so they're getting paid to do all this stuff and they're living this carefree lifestyle like yeah it was fun and um yeah like i said i i recognized uh crace from uh farscape captain crace the guy that was the cult leader that was that was a big kick for me 
Um, so yeah, look, if I wish I wish I could go back in time, 1994, and um, yeah, had discovered it because I know I would have been in love with the show <laughs> for those three years if I had watched it. So, <laughs> and Diallo knows that Rick Springfield, he's got ADD. He's got ADD. <laughs> I do know that. He will let you know. Multiple yeah, he's times. got ADD. <laughs> uh, it, he Diallo and I went to a uh, uh, a concert and Q and A with him at the Grammy Museum years ago, and during the interview he did afterwards or before the concert, one or the other, kept mentioning to our, our friend Lindsay Parker, who was the moderator. She's like, he kept saying, "I have ADD." Just, just so you know, I, what I was have I ADD. saying? What was I and saying? So he'd forget the question. <laughs> what, what was I saying? I have ADD. <laughs> He's a fascinating guy, and if you're interested, you should read his autobiography because he t- he contemplated suicide many times. Very interesting dude. Um, former sex addict all that good stuff so you know he's he's a he's a he's a he's a rock star he's a rock star shows off his rock star i was actually too, so. i was actually surprised when i when i when i sat down to watch it because i wasn't quite sure i mean i actually didn't know he was in it i just like i knew the show right like i sat down to watch the show and i was like oh rick springfield's in this and then i and i was thinking of the time that it was on and i was like i didn't know that he was acting like in any degree at this time I just, no, he kind of, I, yeah. That's that's my first note, Diallo. I go, I had no idea Rick Springfield was. Yeah, an actor well, I knew too. he was. I knew he was an actor, but like, at this time, I didn't know that. I because I kind of in my brain, he had his pivotal role as Zack on Battlestar Galactica, which set every the entire story in motion. It was a great, great role. Of Actually, course. it was a really great role. But then, uh, yeah. Oh, was he like? Was he a catalyst? Like, was his character like a catalyst for the entire series? Well, or something? he was. So he was the. Like, he's Apollo's brother and um, Adama's oh. son. So he, they Apollo. I'm gonna tell you this. I'll tell you this because I just watched it this week. Um, <laughs> I'm all ears, buddy. You give it to me, man. <laughs> they were dude, like the, you know they were having the, the peace talks with the Cylons, or whatever, and then. Um, Apollo and Zach were going out on patrol and they come across a whole Cylon squadron. And so they have to go, they they fight the Cylons and then Zach's ship gets damaged. And so Apollo has to leave so he can warn the fleet that the Cylons are attacking. And um, Zach's like, you know, I'll, I'll be right behind you. And he like, he gets all the way almost to the Galactica. He almost makes it and he gets shot down by, by the Cylons. But uh, like, that's Apollo's brother. That's Adama's son, and um, another character, Athena, is uh, his sister. And they are—they're all in command positions, and they have to deal with that. Um, in a in a late '70s context, they dealt with it the way that you know, like it didn't have like lasting emotional ramifications. But in that moment, it was pretty pretty powerful. But the fact that he was like. It was like Rick Springfield, and at that time, he was like you know, his big star. Um, yeah. I mean, because at, at that time of Battlestar Galactica, he's primarily yeah. a singer, a, a rock yeah. star, right? Well, Battlestar Galactica 79. was what year? 79. 79. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Working Class Dog, I think, came out mm-hmm. in 81. So, so been is that the um, album uh, Jesse's Girl is on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He had a couple, I think he had one or two albums prior to that, but obviously that's the one that put him on the map. So when was he on, when was he on um, General Hospital? Same time. Same time. Yeah. And so in my head, he it's like 
<laughs> That's so funny how I just went on that Battlestar Galactica tangent just to say this, but it was like Battlestar Galactica, his music, General Hospital, and then it just was like his music until Zach and I went to go see him <laughs> at the Grammy Museum, <laughs> and then last year, or this, yeah, last year at uh at uh SoFi, right? Yeah, uh, the YouTube theater. Um, so when I sat down to watch this and he was on it and this was like a mid 90s show and I saw it was on for like three seasons, three seasons. He was in 72 episodes. He was yeah, I was I mean, I was blown away. I was yeah. like, whoa, yeah. like I knew he I knew he acted, but I just that was a pretty substantial profile at that time. And I just like I didn't I didn't expect it. So he was on thought, Californication for a while, too. Uh, re- oh, wow. semi recently. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Whatever, whenever that show was on. But anyways, yeah. Looking yeah. through his IMDb credits, I I was not expecting to see so many. And yeah. it's funny because it's all these shows like Supernatural that I've never watched, but is in my you know orbit, and I know about it and everything. And I'm like, ah, it's like I feel like I just missed Rick Springfield, like all you know. And I I remember Battlestar Galactica, but I don't remember the pilot. You know, it's just I barely missed him. But like watching him in here, like so you know, watching this in my head. It's like it's like musician, and then he gets three seasons of High Tide, right? There's in my head, there's nothing <laughs> yeah, else, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, okay, let's see how he does. And you know, I think he does a fine job in this. I think him and uh, Yannick have have good chemistry. Um, you know, they're kind of they're a little buffoonish uh, at some points, but at the same time, yeah. they're they're a lot of fun, especially when Yannick tries to do the the, uh, the, the Spock pinch. Yeah. The, you know, the that Vulcan, was funny because he tries to pinch this like goon on the neck. And you know he's and, and the goon doesn't even like move. He's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, oh, "I thought the you know the Vulcan neck bitch. It works for Spock all the time." And I was like, "That's funny. That's good." And then so you got like this. You got you know them being sort of goofy, but you know having a good time with it. And then the but the real highlight of this episode was the villain, the the uh, Diallo. What was his uh, his name again? He was uh, Captain Crace on Farscape. He was like the main villain in season one. Um, and he was he was on the show for the first two seasons, I think. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. I, I thought he elevated this pilot episode to to a degree that it probably originally had no right to be. You know what I mean? Like, I think they I feel like they got him and then they, you know, Zach, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to just interrupt. His name is uh, Lanny John Tupu. Yeah, Lanny Tupu. Yeah. Yeah. He's a New Zealand actor. Okay. Yeah, he 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 did a great job. He I felt like he elevated uh, this you know this episode to maybe a higher elevation than maybe they originally intended it to be. But I liked them dealing with the cult aspect of it. You know, especially as someone who like listens to like last podcast on the left and they talk about cults and stuff like that and everything. And it was <laughs> things kind of timely with the uh, with that uh, Nexium cult in uh, Hollywood and they even mentioned in this like how they can't go rescue like they can't send the cops to rescue the girl because this is like right after Waco and the government doesn't want to get involved in religious stuff and everything and yeah, yeah. we have a supreme court making all sorts of Anyway, so it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, ooh, this feels weirdly timely, you know. But then at the same time, it has this fun quality to it. This sort of tongue in cheek, but yet the stakes are high, and yet the like the things they're dealing with are pretty big, like sort of gun running to the you know to these yeah. all these little you know war turn torn countries and stuff like that. And I was like, wow. I was like, this is. 
on one hand, it's everything I expected it to be, but on the other hand, it was more than I expected it to be. And, yeah. uh, you know, like it just, I thought it was fun and, and, there were so many more hot chicks in this one than one West Waikiki. That's I was expecting more in one West Waikiki of, of scantily clad women in bikinis, but I, I got it in this one. I was happy about getting it in this one. So. I, I knew that. I knew that would be a draw for you. Um, and, and, and not to, not to sell this show on you because it's free on Crackle, apparently. Uh, the, the future episodes, people like um, – Krista Allen are on there. Oh Lucy Lawless, uh, Deborah Shelton. Is my woman. But, yeah, I mean, then you've got people like uh, Ken Olent, you know, from Summer School, yeah. is, is on the show. Um, uh, kind of a who's who of like, now I don't want to call them B actors, but syndicated actors, people who would pop up on syndicated shows. I saw Art Lafleur is going to be was on an episode as well. Yeah, Chris Art Lafleur, uh, Krista. Uh, Christopher Atkins, Judy Aronson, who we've brought up on Sledgehammer, but obviously from Weird Science. Just uh, a lot of de- David Soul is on an episode. Um, you know, like some really interesting character actors. Robert Lasardo, who uh, is like covered in tattoos. If you saw this, dude, if you ever saw the movie Moving with Richard Pryor, he's the one of the movers. When uh, <laughs> when the movers go in Richard Pryor's house, and he's like, hey. Are these your wife's panties? He's like, will you give me those panties? Wasn't he also was he in X Files? Yes. And wasn't he in uh, King of New York too? I think. As well? uh, yes, he was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. That guy. I, I used that to see him uh, when I lived in Santa Monica. I used to see him. Uh, him. I used to see him and Deep Roy uh, walking around when I was over on uh, what brought uh, Where were we on Fourteenth and Broadway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd yes. see him at the 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 Vons all the time on Wilshire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyways, uh, but yeah, George Segal, you know, kind of created this like, you know, it's kind of had this Charlie's Angels vibe yes. and everything. And I liked uh, Diana Frank, you know, she played Fritz in it. I liked how I thought always I always think it's cute when a girl has a, a guy's name. I always think that's kind of uh, cool. Um, but I I dug it. I dug it overall. I I mean, you know, it was fun. Like. What do you want? It's, it's a fun show. I can see why it was on for three seasons, you know? One I think thing. Rick Springfield gets a pass, though, with people because they're like, oh, it's just Rick Springfield. And then you realize, no, the guy can actually, he's a pretty decent actor. Yeah. Dare I say, one of the best in that group. Uh, it's funny you say about Yannick, too. Like, the, Yannick's character, J- Joey, is like, you know, they're supposed to be whispering in a scene. And he's like, are we going to go in there? And I'm like, <laughs> dude, aren't you supposed to be whispering right now? You know, they're like, anyways, I think the show, um, like many syndicated shows, some episodes are very big hits and some episodes are total misses. The fact that this sh- show almost lasted 100 episodes is bonker balls out of all three of these shows. But yeah. again, that probably speaks to the fact that Rick Springfield while he wasn't i think he was kind of shit on as a performer at times people like people would go oh rick springfield man it's a cheesy rock but then you realize you see a documentary like sound city and he's playing with the foo fighters and the dude can shred and you're like oh actually this guy's a really talented musician and he takes acting seriously too um you know, gives him some bonus points in my opinion dude we yeah. saw him at sofi last year he's 70 something yeah, seventy something years but old. He's like, he's, but he's like a forty year old. Like, yeah, it was insane. Because like, he has ADD. 
Yeah, <laughs> that keeps him young. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. I mean, no, he, he looks he is... like he looks great. Like his body's great. He's all ripped and manly. No, I'm just kidding. But he like he's very like <laughs> like you wouldn't know that he was that that old. And so he just he just has all he has all the energy of like a youngster still. It's crazy. Yeah, it seems like these rockers at some point they they go through a phase of being totally uh, dismissed and forgotten. But if they can get through that and survive and come back, then they get this resurgence. Like Duran Duran's one of those examples. You know, my wife saw him at, did you see him at Great America one year? No. Duran Duran? No, okay. So I remember Duran Duran <laughs> like, was like, <laughs> <laughs> Duran Duran was one of those bands that was like playing, you know, uh, little mini concert halls Country at amusement fairs. parks. And then now they're back, you know, selling out venues like the Hollywood Bowl. So all you anyways, gotta do is last long enough to become nostalgic. Exactly. Exactly. And this show to me is super nostalgic. When you're a teenager, they all have money now. So yes. they can go. Um, just real quick, this isn't as sexy as what we were what we were just talking about, but uh, uh one the writer for the I think for the show, a lot of the episodes was Tim Minier. And uh, he wrote for like Angel. Um, he wrote Firefly. I think he was the, he was the executive producer of Firefly, Dollhouse, which I don't like, but a lot of people like Dollhouse. He kind of fell into that Whedon verse for a bit. Um, he was the writer. I just that was something that popped out to me at the very beginning. So I had a pretty good pedigree. <laughs> for, yeah. Wow. For uh, you know, putting it all together. Zach, what did you say this was on? On was it just like syndications, like what TNT or whatever? It was it was syndicated everywhere. I remember watching it on TV forty four back in the day. And um, would that be would, would that be the same channel that like Xena popped up on and Hercules? Yes. And, yeah. Okay. okay. Exactly. Yeah, it was like completely it was, independent station, and just uh, it would have all the syndicated TV shows and run movies on Saturdays and the yeah. uh, Sundays and in the evenings. And and then the network shows were on the other stations. I feel like this was on at a weird time, like three o'clock on a Sunday or something, you mm-hmm. know, like you would net, you would miss it all the time. Yeah. I, yeah the, I, the, the, the late eighties and early, like, well, most, a lot of the nineties, uh, the syndication was like, was like the ticket. That's what it, that's what, tv was that's how you but before i think before cable really started to become where a lot of the shows would land um yeah yeah. and so like you know star trek the next generation was a syndicated show like a lot of people don't either remember or think about that but that's it was a syndicated show didn't live on any network Um, it it wasn't a part of a network till upn dropped and then star trek voyager came around but uh yeah so the fact that it lasted three seasons in syndication to me is is like used to like a hundred almost a hundred episodes it's like yeah like my mind my mind just blown by that whole situation well wasn't that always a milestone for like network shows wasn't it like episode 100 means you could be on syndication then get syndicated yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and so they would like they would you know have a party at on episode 100 yeah music and that now that show can essentially live forever you know type of thing yeah residuals baby bring it back to give me a break now that you say that i remember when they did the 100th episode on give me a break and they had the party and the cake at the end of the episode because they could put it into syndication i guess so 
Uh, yeah. Like, you mean, did they have, like, did they actually show, like, the cast and crew? Like, in yeah, the, 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 the end of the episode, they had the cast and crew up there and they had a cake. Oh. And I remember them saying, hey, we made our 100th episode. That's Yay. awesome. Oh, that's I, just, cool. I don't know why. I remember that's the only time I think I ever remember or saw it was on Give Me a Break. I don't know why. So, yeah. uh, Fisher Stevens is like I got to 13 <laughs> hey but you got your own you got your own show Fisher hey he sure did it's, he it, sure did it's not uh, not easy to come by um, Zach final thoughts on all three I love that all three are kind of different in their own way and that was really nice uh, about this selection of shows this this month and I like all three for all three different reasons. I feel like Key West is a show I would watch today if it was updated. Uh, Waikiki, I would watch, is a show I think I'll watch when I'm in my 70s mm-hmm. because uh, on CBS, like a, like a whodunit murder she wrote kind of thing. And um, High Tide is just nostalgic for me. It's I don't consider it to be anything noteworthy oscar worthy or emmy worthy but it's fun to see uh, a hero of mine on screen being wacky and also really quickly that whole goofy side of him that you brought up that's that's totally rick springfield like he's all about making fun of himself and doing stupid bits so maybe that i'm sure that was a big influence like he had his own kind of say on that dynamic in the show but that's my my thoughts i loved all three shows in their own way yeah they i i i liked his goofiness a bit more than yannick's i thought same me too yeah i thought his was fun um i'll just i'm gonna just i'll let uh, diallo finish it up um but i'm just gonna say i felt the same way as you uh i thought all three of them were different yet they very easily like went back to back you know like i very much enjoyed watching them sort of all together they felt felt sort of thematically similar at least like in locations and stuff uh beautiful locales but uh, i did enjoy how different they were i i personally think uh i would rewatch. i would keep watching key west you know if i could um one west waikiki like even though it's not my cup of tea or I didn't think it would be my cup of tea going into it. I very much enjoyed my time with it, which kind of, you know, makes me realize I should probably expand my, you know, horizons a little, sometimes a little bit, you know. <laughs> no, but when... <laughs> it also makes me appreciate doing this show with you guys because then I kind of it introduces me to stuff like this. And uh, High Tide, I feel like I liked it exactly as much as I thought I was going to. <laughs> you know, I thought that was a lot of fun. So all three of these shows, for me, I thought they were all hits and uh, I would recommend them to anybody uh, for different reasons. Like, you know, I'd be like, okay, what kind of uh, Paradise show i like it i probably recommend one for a different type of person you know what i mean but i think yeah, uh, all three yeah. of them are, are highly highly watchable i think is is the key thing to have here uh with all their cast and their crew uh diallo what are your final thoughts on all three yeah yeah like i enjoyed all of them um like i said for uh key west there were a lot of I, I felt like there a lot of stuff needed to be brought out to kind of put it over the top for me. Um, but there's a lot there's like a lot of content there that I thought was really interesting um, that I was drawn to. Um, High Tide was pro- probably my favorite of the, the, the rewatches. It just it was just wild and energetic and. <laughs> and whatnot and uh obviously i love i love i think i love the potential for one west waikiki even even then i realized 
it wasn't like quite the best. And like I said, with all of these shows, it was the, the the tropical location that really like made me sit down, or like at least with the with the first two shows that we went over, I like made me sit down and watch them. Um, <clears throat> but I just yeah, I if I was a executive producer, I wouldn't mind trying to redo one West Waikiki with a little bit more modern sensibilities and like, you know, um, cause I think it actually is a show that could work, um, today. Um, maybe like it could be on USA, like, uh, like burn notice was <laughs> or something. Oh, totally. But, yeah. So yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed uh, watching all three. Uh, yeah. High tide that opening, uh, music, theme music was a banger. <laughs> I just like I like I said. I wish I was like, man, twenty something me would just be like, I'd be all about the show if I yeah, if I had totally. watched it then. Is it weird to you guys that Rick Springfield didn't do the opening song? I just was about, I was just thinking that, and like it would have been nice if he was singing the opening song, but. Maybe he didn't want to. Uh, yeah, I as it's coming as the question was coming out of my mouth, I thought I was like, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if he was like, I want to keep the the two parts separate type of thing. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Because the would, only uh, time he ever. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I just yeah, I was just about to say, you know, when they do that on some shows, when you already know the person as a musician first, sometimes it, I think it can overpower the character that they're playing who usually isn't a singer right because um, then you would like, expect that character to like maybe be a singer on the show or something yeah, yeah. I, and they sometimes they play it off like i remember moesha back in the day like that whenever they she did the opening song but then the character herself could not sing and that was <laughs> like so they they made that be funny um, wow, Moesha. Yeah. Uh, That's a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you know, like, Will Smith, like, whatever, he he was basically playing himself, so it kind of worked. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, it would have kind of detracted from, because he's far removed, this character in High Tide was far removed from Rick Springfield, you know? Yeah, he was a surfer. He yeah. was a surfer. <laughs> uh, all, oh, the waves are really breaking, brah. <laughs> all I got to say is, Zach, man, I, I wish you could play uh, God of War. Dude, that shit was wild. And, what, what's uh, God of War? <laughs> and T.C. Carson, as cra- he will always be my Kratos. He was, I love he that was fantastic. When I yeah. found out he was Kratos back, like years ago, uh, I was yeah, like, my was mind like, was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> the guy from Living Single? Yeah, <laughs> the Kyle Barker. <laughs> <laughs> seriously man i was like holy shit because he was he did that voice for um all all the way all the way up until up the, to the PS, new one the, until yeah. the new one yeah yeah the, when they sort of rebooted it and everything he, he yeah mm-hmm. he was the voice of kratos the entire time now the, i mean the new guy did a good job of being sort of an older version of it yeah but no tc carson is still it will always be my my kratos for sure i mean that version of kratos was just so like yeah over the top it's so yeah. good uh, yeah so Oh, fucking man. good, man. Like yeah. I said, it beat that fucking first game on God mode, motherfucker. That shit was tough. I still have my PS. Was it two or yeah? It was PS two. I think uh, God of War came out on. I still have my game save card on. Uh, you oh, know, the memory nice. card yeah. with oh, yeah, with nice. me beating it on God nice. mode. So. Nice. Uh, 
uh zach my man uh i just listened to your new uh show territory marks today on the two dollar late fee feed you're kind of doing a tv obscura sort of scenario over there where you're having a show that's uh once a month uh you're talking about wrestling but it's on the two dollar late fee feed uh territory marks uh tell everybody about it yeah territory marks is a nostalgia 80s and sometimes early 90s nostalgia wrestling podcast where my co-host Paul London, former WWE superstar and current indie wrestler and actor, uh, and I each bring a match from the 80s and 90s to the table to talk about uh, and sprinkle in some nostalgia fun in there from the, the time the matches came out as well. So our first episode, we focused on the great Muta, who just got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, and Sting. Uh, and Shawn Michaels, before he became the Heartbreak Kid, before he was the Rockers, he was part of the Midnight Rockers with his partner, Marty Jannetty. And, um, I know that now f- because I listened to the episode. Yeah, a lot of fun. For people that don't know wrestling, we, we try to give you a little bit of a history lesson. And for those that do, we wax nostalgic on the, the stuff you, you love from that era. And that's Territory Marks. A preview for next month uh, is going to be, it, my pick is going to be Ricky Steamboat versus Terry Funk. And it is a all-out brawl. So um, get your, get ready for that. Territory Marks is a lot of fun. It's once a month on $2 late fee. Yeah, so you know, whatever you, wherever you're listening to podcasts, uh, and I'm sure everyone is subscribed to $2 late fee, you will find it on the same feed. Diallo, the podcast you were meant to do. You were born to do. Galactica, actually, uh, a weekly after show. You guys have been cranking out uh, every week, man. Um, what a... So, I mean, it's essentially you're going through the, the series and everything, but you're also... You said you just picked up the uh, the original series. Are you starting to bring some of that knowledge into the discussion on the weekly show as well? Yeah, you know, I... You know, I had watched the original when it first aired and then over the years, but it's been maybe like 30 years since third, 25 years since the last time I had like watched it. So I have like episodes in my head, but they're not very solid and they were kind of floaty. But then as I'm watching this new like Battlestar Galactica and remembering, Oh yeah, this kind of like, this is kind of like this original episode, that kind of episode, I wasn't clear enough um, on the old episode to start to re- really make solid comparisons. So after doing like nine episodes of our podcast, there's a couple episodes that actually um, kind of mirrored some older ones. So I decided, hey, I just might as well just start watching the old one too. So I'm doing that right now. Um, just on, on the side, but this last episode we did, uh, it, it'll be out right around the time this episode comes out. It was called The Hand of God. And there's another episode and the original, that was the finale of Battlestar Galactica OG called The Hand of God. And I kind of go on a rant if anybody wants to check it out, I'm, which I'm, I do that every once in a while. Um, but yeah, uh, that's uh, what we're doing. Real quick, I do want to say I can't wait to listen to Territory Marks, uh, Zach, because a little mad at you because I've been falling back into wrestling again after WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm sorry, watching. and you're what? Oh, like, just you like know, uh, Shawn been... Michael says to Ric Flair, "I'm sh- I'm sorry." I'm sorry, and I love you. And I, love <laughs> you. Yeah. I, love I love that clip, dude. <laughs> I'm just more into. I've been, you know, obviously, I've been sending you 
TikToks and stuff with all the all the rumors and vax the vac talk and stuff because I'm really into this whole Roman Reigns winning at WrestleMania and like a lot of controversy. Like everyone's upset. I talked to this other guy. He's upset. Like everyone's upset. It's crazy. So. Um, yeah, but anyways, I can't wait to start listening to those episodes. I always find oh, uh, right on. breakdowns of like behind the scenes type stuff wrestling is just fascinating to me. So can't wait. Yeah, uh, Paul London, he brings a, a wealth of knowledge to the show. And he's a, you know, he's he, he, he is a wrestler. And he was trained by Terry Funk and Dory Funk and, and actually talked a little bit about his background uh, in the first episode. So, yeah, we... we uh, we go deep and in, in the fun way. We're not talking about current product stuff. We're not, both of us are, and, and I know you, you too, Diallo, we're not a huge fan of what's currently out there. The old school stuff is the, where it's at. I just gonna say, I particularly liked his uh, discussion or his insight into kayfabe and like what it means and uh, more so how important it is uh, for, for wrestling and everything. Did you tell him that we saw him uh, fight at uh, Lucha Underground? I sure did. Yeah. I sure did in the Bloodsport episode. We brought that up right. on $2 Late Fee, and, and we talked about how we saw him live, and, and he's kind of does behind-the-scenes stuff now. He's a producer and uh, for matches, so he had a hand in a lot of those Lucha Underground matches. If you've never seen Lucha Underground, I think it's available on Netflix, Potentially, possibly, uh, it was an El Ray show. It's very a lot of fun. Isn't that the one that they used to film at the Mayan in downtown L.A.? I, it sure is. I've I've been to a, a taping of a Lucha Underground like way way long time ago. Back when I was, I think living in downtown L.A., I might not have even known you guys at the time. And I, I went, think so. I yeah. went to that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That show was that show was uh, um, well ahead of its time. I think in some ways yeah. it tried to it, it tried to cut some new ground where. Wrestling has fallen back in the typical tropes, but anyways, it was so fun, man. a lot of fun so, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I hope, yeah, I'm hoping everybody enjoys it when they check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, make sure. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, and make sure you check out the Brian Thompson interview on Two Dollar Late Fee when it drops, and the uh, the Patreon exclusive episode as well. Uh, we, we know that we have most everybody who's a patron, Two Dollar Late Fee's Patreon is a Patreon for Pat, so you guys will probably all check it out as well. Um, but if you are a Patreon member of Podcasting After Dark, uh, Zach and I will be dropping our body bags episode this month. So we talked about that, and that's uh, a a wild fucking time there but uh next month zach we have in the mouth of madness which i am very much looking forward to we have not uh you know recorded it yet or anything so i don't really have i haven't even seen it yet still waiting to watch it but i i have seen body bags i can check i can check that one off the fucking list (laughs) that's simply madness in your mouth that's right that's right so check out that check out galactica actually check out two dollar lay and territory marks and everything and of course uh, Diallo's got some big things coming with Angela in the dark. Um, sure does. And, and we'll, we we will be uh, promoting that uh, on our feed when when it drops. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I do but have also- one other. I do have one other thing. Um, it's uh, my inspirational um, messages I've been doing. They're called Boops of Life. Yes. If you ever <laughs> need perspective, uh, introspection. Uh, ways uh, to think about things to get over whatever you're struggling with. Um, I've been recording um, some of these writings that I've done over the years and performing them. So check those out 
on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Boops of life. Boops of life. I gotta subscribe to those. Yeah. There yeah. you go. And uh, you know, we know times are tough these these days, money wise. So a free way to help out our show, podcast after dark, two dollar late fee, Galactic Actually. Um, leave a five star review for for any of these shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, Podbean, wherever it allows you to leave a five star review, and that just you know goes for any podcast you listen to out there. Just leave a you know what if you're listening to this right now and you're not in the car, leave a five star review for somebody. Doesn't have to be us. Just leave it for somebody that you like and you enjoy, and uh, it, honestly, it goes a, a long way in helping that podcast or any other podcast. Uh, you know. R- climb the ranks and you know climb the ladders and all that kind of stuff and uh we're all just trying to entertain and we're all just trying to have a good time here so we hope you guys all enjoy these tv obscure episodes i know i do i know i'm ready for paradise it's living up in the pacific northwest this winter's been brutal it's i haven't seen fucking sun in months (laughs) like it's a real thing vitamin d's guys take vitamin (laughs) d it's it's a real thing but uh you know we're just trying to have a good time here we appreciate all of y'all and as always catch you on the obscure side Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Zach Schaefer.